0: I've taken upon me to go back to the book of Jude and uh, we'll just be in the book of Jude this morning and this evening and probably as we finish the chapter uh, we'll be in it Sunday morning and Sunday night till it's done. But one little phrase if you look at verse number 23 we're preaching about what God tells us that we must do as his people in this age of apostasy that we live in. And there's so many I and G words that we've been looking at, so many instructions for us. And today we're in verse number 23 where the Bible says, And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. What I'm interested in this morning is the part where it says pulling them out of the fire. This evening, by the grace of God, we will look at, what hating even the garment spotted by the flesh has to do with us. But first of all, and he says, others, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Our mission of reaching other people, that word others is in verse 23. Psalm, verse 23, 22, we're trying to reach with compassion Others, verse 23, we're trying to reach by putting them in the fear of God. But others. Could I I say to you, when things get rough as they are in our society, we have a tendency to only think about ourselves. We want to gather the wagons and take care of me and mine. I think that's a very big temptation. I think the little book of Jude is warning us, to not get so self-absorbed as we are living in a dangerous day, a perilous time. We say, "Well, if I can just concentrate on making sure that that me that I'm all right and my family's all right," and and you ought to do that. But that cannot be the only view of life that we have, or we're not doing what God's telling us to do. We're living in a day of apostasy where we need to be caring. We need to be trying to reach other people. And I'm just saying, it's, it's not, it'll have to be God's work in us to care for someone else, especially someone else that needs to be saved with fear we don 't really that 's not a, a comfortable that 's not a I, when we pass out signs and we 'll hold signs you know we have you know i don 't know thirty signs or thirty five signs and we'll have we have wonderful scripture signs you know and and some of them will talk about you know Christ Jesus came in the world, to save sinners, and for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and people love grabbing those you know and Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are wonderful verses. And wonderful verses to hold up before the eyes of others. But I always notice that many times those verses like, And hail gave up the dead. We don't grab that one first. Or it's appointed unto men once to die. We probably don't grab that one. Because that's a little more uncomfortable in our witnessing to stand up for a fearful sign, and yet God tells us that you can't witness to everybody the same. There's a difference that you have to make in witnessing with people. You can't deal with all people the same. You have to be led of the Spirit how to deal people, how to reach people. And we're living in a day where not a lot of people have been reached. We're thankful for our missionaries. We had a good report this morning of our missionaries reaching people around the world. But we don't need to get so cold or callous or so self-absorbed in saving me and mine that I'm not interested in... The the plight of others and the need of others. And I, I need to ask God to help me to be able to deal with them in the way that he wants me to deal with them. You can't just deal with, if you have more than one child, you can't deal with them all the same. The underlying theme of verse number 22 and 23 is that we need to be interested in reaching other people with compassion, with fear not just saving our own hides i don't know some of you won't even remember this you weren't even around then or you were too young to know all the y2k fiasco you know you don't even hear about that anymore that was a fiasco man that was that was a pressure cooker do you know that i know church i know of a church that sold its building and bought a, a, a compound out in the woods that had multiple swimming pools so they'd have enough water and started storing stuff. And and, and here's the problem with all that. It was all about self-preservation. It was no concern of reaching the rest of the community. And they stockpiled ammunition because they wanted to protect the food that was going to cause their congregation to be able to live. Does anybody see a problem with that? I'm just going to preserve me. I'm just going to protect me. I'm not worried about anybody else in the fire. I'm not worried about others that need the help of God. You know, we can get in such a plight that we don't even see the plight or the needs of others. We all have needs. Thank God that He's big enough not just to meet your need and my need. He's big enough to meet everybody's need. He's that big a God. But we can't just go through this generation trying to save our own hide, save or being concerned about our own selves. We need to have others on our heart and mind. And that is not a normal thing. God will have to work that in our hearts. Because we don't normally have the desire to reach out for other people as much as we do to care for ourselves. And that's just true. That's why we try to emphasize missions because we don't want to just emphasize what we're doing at this church. We want to pour more money to reach others than we're pouring money in helping ourselves. That's why we emphasize trying to witness in our community. We're not just trying to have church on Sunday for ourselves. We're also trying to bring the Lord to the people that never darken a church door. Do you understand? He said, in others... He's saying in this day of apostasy, we have still have a mission. We have a mission to reach others. Now, verse 23 says, how are we going to do that? Verse 22 tells us we can reach, surely, people with compassion. Verse 23 tells us how we can reach other people. He said, and others save with fear. He talks about the proper motivation of fear. You know, fear is a proper motive or it wouldn't be in the Bible. Others say with fear. Is that what your Bible says this morning? So it's, it's good, it's appropriate to be motivated by fear. The Bible says about Noah that Noah moved with fear. And he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Noah was afraid. And it caused him to build something. And it caused him to protect people because he knew what was coming. That was a proper motivation. To fear the judgment that's coming. To fear the flood. To fear the fact that he better obey what God told him to do. You know, the Bible tells us that them that sin, even in the church, listen... He says, them that sin, it's 1 Timothy 5.20, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. We We don't live in a day where people get rebuked openly or publicly for their sin because we live in a generation that does not want to have the fear of the Lord. God says the reason that people are rebuked publicly is that so everybody else will be afraid of the same judgment that will come in their life if they go down the same sinful rabbit hole as this other person. You see, what we're trying to do, what, what people today, uh, religion does not want to offend anybody, doesn't want to rebuke anybody, it, it doesn't want anybody to live in fear, and yet the Bible said in the day of apostasy, there needs to be a motivation of fear in our lives. You know, fear is also a good motive for you to live, right? If you remember, if you had a good mom and daddy, you know what that means. Amen. The fear of your father, if it rested upon you, it, it helped control your behavior. There were some things that I did not do just because I was afraid of my dad. You say, well, that was, that's, that's not proper. It was, it's very proper. Anything that keeps you out of the pit is proper. Anything that keeps you from ruining your life is a good thing for you. Fear is a good motive to, to live right. Fear is a good motive for people to repent. A lot of people won't repent. I mean, the goodness of God should lead to repentance. That compassion, the, knowing how much the Lord loves you, gave His Son for you, that ought to be enough to cause you to repent. But there's also another motivation to repent. And that, that there is a real judgment, and the judgment's coming. You know what this world says? This world mocks the Bible and disbelieves in, in religion because it says all you religious people do you just try to scare people into believing you just hang things over their head about eternity and about hell you're a fear monger you're just trying to manipulate people you're trying to manipulate people and make them so afraid that they'll go to church you're trying to make people so afraid that, that they'll be converted whether they believe that way or not. Well, let me tell you something. What kind of a God would our God be if He didn't tell us about the reality of what happens after life? Well, we're, we're not, we're not fear mongers. We're not trying to manipulate people. We're trying to be honest with people. And if God is not an honest God about what's coming to the lives of people when they meet Him, then, then, then how what a monster that would be. The truth is that one day all of us are going to stand before God. The truth is that judgment is coming. And there is something to be afraid of with that. What kind of a person would complain about the tornado warning system in Alabama. Well, I tell you what, just a bunch of fear mongers, they just try to get us all upset and afraid and they make them sirens go off and and they make them go off and nothing comes by and nobody's destroyed. How many times has a siren gone off and no tornado hit your house? Do you complain about that? How many times has the tornado siren gone off and it didn't hit anybody's house? Well, they're just trying to make people upset. They're just trying to manipulate people and cause people. No, we don't say that. Why? We appreciate the warning. Because there's a reality that danger is near and we appreciate the warning. There's something a whole lot more serious coming to people's lives than a tornado. And it'll destroy a whole lot more than brick and stone. And the Bible says others save with fear. There is something to be afraid of. You know, all the, and I've even complained about it myself, you know. They're just trying to scare everybody with COVID. But most people don't complain about that. They just, they appreciate the warning. But when you get up and tell people, you know, you need to be afraid of God because one day you're going to stand before God and there's not just a heaven, there's also a hell. And God is not just a loving God, he's also a just God. He's a kind God, but he will not acquit the wicked and one day you're going to stand before God and you've got something to be afraid of. He says others say we live in a day people aren't afraid. That they're not afraid of they're not afraid to do wrong. They're not afraid to blaspheme God. I mean, there was a day we, we have in our society that people were afraid to blaspheme. They, they wouldn't put blaspheming uh, God on the airways or on the TV, and they would put it in their daily conversation. But, uh, I, I mean, people are not afraid to do that anymore. They, they have no fear of God. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, one reason why that is, we're not putting the fear in front of their eyes. we're not comfortable doing that well I don't want to make people afraid they've got something to be afraid of there is no fear of God before their eyes and it is up to you and it's up to me to put that fear in front well let's talk about just about what are they to be afraid of others say with fear fear of what look at Luke chapter 12 I'll tell you what the Bible tells us to be afraid of Now, don't be afraid of man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You're not to be afraid of people. You're not even supposed to be afraid of death. I mean, death is going to visit everybody. But people are scared of death. They're scared of death. God didn't tell us to be afraid to die. God doesn't even tell you to be afraid of the guy that can kill you. People afraid of the guy breaking in their house. Oh, I'd be afraid to go downtown Chicago. I'd be afraid to go downtown New York City. What does God tell us to be afraid of? Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, In verse number 4, Luke 12, verse 4, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. That's what everybody's afraid of. We're afraid of people that can kill me kill my family. Jesus said, be not afraid of them that kill the body. What a statement Jesus made. Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that, have no more that they can do. what a statement by the lord okay if you kill me then what are you going to do to me <laughs> but see here's the problem most people think that's it with life that's why they're afraid of dying that's why they're afraid of disease that's why they're afraid of cancer that's why they're afraid of others that can kill them because all of their hopes and all of their realities wrapped up in this life and they don't understand or consider What is after that? What is after you die? Jesus said, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, they have no power that they can do. Next verse. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Well, I don't see people preaching this message of Jesus everywhere around the country. Jesus said, I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. You know what's so amazing about this message of Jesus? Then he goes into the fact that God counts the hairs of your head, and uh, and that you're more valuable than many sparrows. What's going on? He says, "Fear not, you're more valuable than many sparrows." Well, there's there's you have to have fear, and then but if you know God, you don't have to fear. But if you don't know Him, you've got plenty to fear because He says, God can not only kill you. He can cast you into hell. Others say with fear. I wonder this morning, are are you afraid of God? What are we... to Notice it doesn't say in the verse. Look what Jesus said. I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. He did not even say... I'm going to get to it in just a second. He did not even say fear hell. He said fear him. What you need to be afraid of more than hell is you need to be afraid of God. Because God's got the power over all of that. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. And our generation, our day of apostasy, there's no fear of God before their eyes. So the book of Jude says you need to take that message of fear to the world. You won't get those messages on YouTube. You won't get those messages in mainstream religion. Why? It's not popular. Nobody wants to be. Well, I didn't go to church to get afraid. Yeah, but God tells you you need to be. Others save with fear. I wonder this morning, are you afraid of God? Are you afraid of God? Now, it'll be obvious if you are because that will sort of control and moderate your life. You know what people are afraid of? They're afraid of circumstances. They're not afraid of God. They might be afraid. Well, if I do this, this might happen. Instead of saying, if I do this, God is watching me. We live in a day there's no fear of God before their eyes. And God says, I want you to to save other people with fear. I want you to be putting that fear before their eyes. There's something they need to be afraid of. But how are we going to do that if we're not even afraid of God? The Bible tells us we're to serve God with reverence and godly fear. Mm. Preacher, why do we have such a weird, wild, destructive world? No fear of God. No fear of God. He says, others save with fear. Well, what, 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 what should people be afraid of? They should be afraid of God. Others save with fear. What else should they be afraid of? Well, they should be afraid of missing out on salvation. He said, others save with fear. That means that they're in need of salvation. A lot of people aren't afraid not to be saved. They're not afraid that they're missing out on salvation. It is wonderful to be saved. Aren't you glad you were able this morning so that you could sing saved by the blood? Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. People ought to be afraid of missing out on that. I'm missing out on... I don't want to miss out on God's salvation. It's wonderful to be saved. I don't want to miss it. You need to be afraid of missing out on salvation. You need... People need to be afraid of missing out on being saved from hell. People need to be afraid of missing out on salvation that saves them from their sin. You know, there's so many different things to be saved from. It's not just hell. You you can miss out on being saved from the, the power of sin in your life. I don't want to miss out on that. I'm Aren't you afraid for sin to have dominion over your life? Aren't you afraid of what sin might do to your mind and do to your heart and do to your conscience and do to your family? I'm mean, doing you know what, there's plenty to be afraid of. The fear of what sin will do to me if I miss out on God, saving me from the sin, not just in the matter of being saved from hell, but being saved from hell my own sin, my own self, and where that's going to lead to. Being saved from a day of apostasy. Being saved from an untoward generation. Boy, I tell you what, guys, guys, I am afraid. Are you not afraid of what just might happen to your life? Oh, preacher, no, I'm a Christian, I go to church. Therefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Do you not understand that we are living in such a perilous time that there is plenty to be afraid of, of what this generation might do to you and your family and your life? It ought to make us run to God. There's more types of salvation, I said, than just being saved from hell. It it can be saved from apostasy, being saved from from a generation that will destroy. It's being saved from shame. Shame when I meet the Lord. I don't want to meet the Lord and there be shame there. I want Him to save me from the shame of me living a life that wasn't pleasing to Him. Guys, I don't trust myself. Do you trust yourself? If you do, you need to come to the altar this morning. You need to be—you need to be afraid of what you are capable of doing. And God, I need you to save me from myself. I need you to save me from this generation. I need you to save me from the sins of my life. And maybe you don't know Christ as your sa- personal Savior this morning, and you need to save—you need Him to save you from hell. There's plenty. To miss out on is what I'm trying to say. We ought to be afraid of missing out on the rescue that God provides. Then I see a last thing to be afraid of. He said in verse 23 and others save with fear, pulling them out of the what? The fire. The fire is to be feared. It's our job to show the world the fire. It's our job to see the fire and then show the fire. You know, some people don't see the fire until it's too late. It's ironic that fire is sort of in the news right now. Have you been watching it? I have because I'm supposed to be in Maui a week from tomorrow. (laughs) About 15 miles from where the town just got destroyed. Isn't that a bummer? If I go, if we go, there's no electricity there. (laughs) I was reading those stories about those fires. Do you know most of those people didn't get warned about the fire until it was too late? I think, what, the count is up to about 100 now that's died? And the fire was so destructive. And people got so afraid. And the ones that got afraid... the fastest were the ones that were spared you know what they did they jumped in the water (laughs) they jumped in the ocean i mean that fire spread so fast the wind was blowing so hard i mean it engulfed that whole town that whole city just 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 quickly and immediately and they had no time and all they could do is jump in the ocean some of them stayed there for eight hours. They were afraid of the fire. There were probably some people that heard about the fire. Hey, you see see the fire? You better run. You know, there were, were weird people taking videos, and I mean, the fire's like 100 yards away. And they didn't know, hey, I, I need to be afraid of what's going on here. The fire is coming. No fear of the fire. Ah, they'll put it out. Surely it'll stop. It won't go that fast. There's a fire coming. Yeah, there's fire coming, guys. And you need to be afraid of the fire. You need to be afraid of the fire. You need to be afraid first of all and I'm talking about uh, following up with being afraid of God. You know what he says in Hebrews chapter Let's look at this. What is this fire? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, would you? Hebrews chapter 12. It goes right along with being afraid of God. A fire's coming. A fire's coming. What kind of fire, preacher? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse number 29, he ends verse 28 about serving God except with reverence and godly fear. And then he says in verse number 29, For our God is a consuming fire. Do you see that in your Bible? That God, when he comes to town, will consume everything. Just like that fire in Hawaii consumed the trees and consumed the building and consumed the people. One, one, one guy said, I jumped in the, in the ocean. He said, it sounded like a blowtorch going off. Total fear, but destruction. You know what we need to be afraid of? Fire's coming. You know what that is? That's God. God's coming. The Bible tells us over there in Hebrews, you're in Hebrews Hebrews chapter 10, he said in Hebrews 10 and verse number 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why is that God never preached and that God is never spoken of? The God that is to be feared, is He kind? Yes. Is He loving? Yes. Is He gracious and merciful? Yes. Is He long-suffering? Yes. But He will not at all acquit the wicked and he is a consuming fire and the fire's coming Are you afraid of the fire you should your well well i'm saved well so was john you know john the apostle he's the disciple that jesus loved remember the story told of john you know he's the one that leans on Jesus' breast. I mean, they're close. Do you think there was anybody that was closer to Jesus from his disciples than John? It couldn't have been. I mean, the, the love relationship, John loved Jesus so much. He was so close to him. But in Revelation chapter 1, when he saw Jesus in all of his glory, you know what he said about him? He says his eyes were a flame of fire. And I fell at his feet as dead. This is a guy that walked and talked with him. This is a guy that loves him a lot more than you and I love him. (laughs) I just have to be honest with you. This is a guy that knew him more than you and I know him. But when he saw Jesus Christ in all of his glory, he fell down in fear as his feet as a dead man because he saw those eyes that were a flame of fire. By the way, it said in Revelation 19, when he comes again, he's coming with those same eyes of a flame of fire. What You said, preacher, what, what, what fire are we supposed to be afraid of? The fire of God. God is a consuming fire. And Jesus had to reach down and touch John and say, Fear not, I am he that was dead and alive forevermore. I've got the keys of de- death and of hell. Had to touch him. You know, I, I think probably we just need to have a little pause. Some, I think some people, well, when I meet Jesus, you know, I'm going to... Good to see you, Lord. Yeah, but that might be a little later. Because when you see him, I think you're going to see some eyes of fire. And I think you're going to probably humble yourself pretty low and get down at his feet. There is just something to be afraid of God in the fire. How afraid are we? How afraid are we to meet God? You can meet God today. The fire's coming. He's coming. He's coming for you. You say, preacher, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Well, glory to God. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Would you turn over there? You're saved. You're not going to go to hell. You said, Preacher, I'll never go to hell. If you're saved, you'll never go to hell. Jesus said, Him that comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out. If you believe on me, you'll never perish. That's what he said. That's exactly right. But that doesn't mean the fire's not coming for your life, even if you're saved. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says down there in verse number 13, look at it. Every man's work... These are people that have the foundation of Jesus Christ in their life, verse 11. He said in verse number 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. is. If any man's work abide which he hath built their own, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. You're not going to go to hell if you're at this judgment seat of Christ. No, no, you're saved. But look at it. Yet so as by fire, there is still something to be afraid of the God that's coming for your life. You are still going to face the fire. Your works, your life is going to pass through the fire. He says, others saved with fear. You know what I believe? I believe there wouldn't be near as many people apostatizing that are saved if they knew that they were going to give an account of everything they do when they meet Jesus Christ face to face. Not afraid of the fire. Think there's no ramification. Well, I'm saved so I can do anything I want to. You're going to meet the fire. fire that is our God the fire at the judgment seat of Christ and then in our text you can get three places get our get back our text and I'm, I'm, I've got my last point here in the book of Jude and then you can get the book of Mark Mark chapter nine all that I've just said probably is not nearly as scary to people though it should be is these verses Mark chapter 9, the little book of Jude, and then Revelation chapter 20. The fire that he says in in the book of Jude, others say with fear pulling them out of the fire. What fire? Well, he's already mentioned fire in this little book once. Verse number 7. Jude verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication... And going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of, what does that say? Eternal fire. Now, Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 that God sent fire and brimstone and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what Jesus said. So no, Jesus was not a sodomite and he does not approve of sodomy. He told us the story about God sending fire and brimstone down upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of their iniquity. But the little book of Jude tells us that that fire that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah was only a picture of another fire that never quits burning. In other words, those of Sodom and Gomorrah just weren't burned to death. Their houses just weren't burned. Their families weren't just burned to a crisp. They woke up in another eternal fire that never stops burning. And that's something to be afraid of. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the lovely Lamb of God. He said in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 43, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off, it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched." And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Jesus said this, You guys ought not to be worried about life. You ought to be worried about hellfire. You're more worried about getting your hand cut off or your eye plucked out or, or your leg or, or losing a limb and you're worried about how your circumstances in life are. But he's saying that's not what you ought to be afraid of. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. Stay out of hellfire. There's nothing worth going to hell over. The fire is real. Jesus doesn't lie. You know, when I got saved, I didn't get saved in church. We were having family devotions. Just reading the Bible. My parents didn't preach during family devotions. It was real quick, real simple. Never underestimate the real quick and the real simple. We'd read. They would read. Didn't pray. We'd go to bed. But that night, there was a certain rich man just reading the Bible, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Got through reading that, and I said, "Up, uh, I got a question. Just a boy, I got a question." What's your question? How do I stay out of that place? I don't want to go there. You say, preacher, that's not a proper motivation. Work for me. Yeah. There are other motivations to get saved. I mean, seeing how wonderful God is and how wonderful Jesus is, and want Him to be your—that—that's a great motivation. But I tell you what. I was saved with fear because I saw myself in the fire. I didn't see that rich man in the fire. I saw me in the fire. And by the way, if you're not saved here this morning, that's where you are. You're in the fire. Notice it says pulling them out of the fire. That means that's where they are right now. You know, people think about well, maybe one day I'll be in hell. No, you're in you're in hell right now. You're the Bible says the wrath of God abides on you right now, John chapter three. You're already condemned. Right. And I saw that, and I said, boy, I don't want to go there. How do I stay out of? And then the story of Jesus. I, I believe. I said, thank you. I. I My parents didn't even deal with me. I didn't even let them deal with me. I went to my room, went to bed, and I just couldn't couldn't get that off my mind. Oh, man, I'm a sinner just like that rich man. Boy, that fire, I don't want to be tormented in that flame. I deserve to go to hell. I mean, I'm going to hell. I know I'm going to hell. And they just told me the only way out is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's got the keys of death and hell. He's the one that died on the cross so I wouldn't have to go to hell. I need Jesus. And I got on my little bed, amen, and I folded my hands and I said, Oh, Lord Jesus, save my ever-dying soul. I was saved with fear. You know what? Most people don't see themselves in the fire. You probably never get saved. If you're not saved here this morning, you probably never get saved if you don't see yourself in the fire. You say, Preacher, you're trying to scare somebody this morning. No, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. You say, Preacher, you're trying to get somebody to doubt say, Look, look, I know I'm saved. Look, Jesus has got the keys of death and hell. If I went to hell, I could let myself out because He lives in me and He said He'd never leave me. I'm not afraid of hell. I'm just as saved as if I was in heaven. I know that I've been born again. I'm a child of God. I know I have eternal life. You're not going to scare me with hell. I know the one that's already let me out. But if you've never been saved by the grace of God, could you you be afraid of where you're headed? This world is going to hell unafraid. Unafraid. And the Lord says, why don't you pull them out of the fire? Why don't you show them the fear of God so they'll be concerned about their soul that'll burn forever and ever and ever? I don't like to think about that. I don't even preach on that a lot. Somebody better be preaching on hell. Somebody better be talking about hell or nobody will ever be afraid of going there i read it to you and it will be done. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says in verse number 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars... Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There is a fire to fear.